Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to Luna the Podcast. My name is Carolina Salazar, also known as the Carolina Lifestyle on TikTok and Instagram. My goal with this podcast is to demystify modern spirituality, talk about all things holistic health and wellness, and to also empower you to show up as your best and highest self. Thank you so much for being here, and I look forward to seeing you in the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Luna the Podcast. Welcome back to another guest episode. I hope you've been doing phenomenal. I hope you've been taking care of yourself. Remember that you are worthy, you are enough, you are healing, you are growing, you are evolving, you're becoming your higher self each and every time that you show up for you. And I really hope that these guest episodes have really helped you learn from different powerful voices out there and have shown you that everyone's growth journey is unique and beautifully different. And at the same time, how there are all these like permeating themes that kind of go through each of our experiences. And I think that that's so beautiful, so awesome. And just feel really proud to be able to foster these conversations for you guys to tune into. And I've been loving your feedback. So please keep it coming. And definitely DM me if you guys have any topic suggestions, any guest suggestions. I'm always open to any and all of that. And for today's episode, I sat down with an amazing human being, Noam Raider. She is one of my really good social media friends. We met in New York for the first time. She lives in Toronto and she came down for a few days in April and she was here around the time of my birthday so it was really cool to meet her in person and I'm really glad we were able to record together we did a little podcast swap so I think by the time that this episode is live my episode with her on her podcast you're not too busy is already going to be up so make sure to check that out she has an amazing podcast and it was just really cool to have her come on and talk about balance i think noam is a really good example of someone who does it all and on her page on instagram she talks a lot about how as women we don't have to fit into these boxes where we're expected to be a certain way or behave a certain way just because we're women i think she really shows up as an authentic empowered female in the medical field which is a field that sometimes has a lot of these like preconceptions of how women are supposed to behave when they're doctors or about to become doctors and she just has a really good philosophy about balance in general both between your personal life and your professional life, but also when it comes to health. She shares a little bit about her journey with starting to love her body and loving herself and how she's evolved over the years and also aspects of her routine and her self-care habits that keep her grounded and keep her showing up for herself, even if in small ways throughout life. And I think she also really is a great example of how it's okay to change and it's okay to evolve and it's okay for your priorities and your choices and your habits and how you show up to change as you evolve too. So overall, it was a really beautiful conversation. I'm super excited for you to get to know her more. If you don't follow her yet, definitely make sure to check out her page, Noam R. Wellness on Instagram. And with that said, we're going to dive in. I hope you enjoy and I will see you on the other side. 
welcome to the pod, Noah. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We've been trying to plan this for so long, so I'm so happy we finally made it work and super excited for today. Yes, me too. The first question I always like to ask anyone who comes on the pod is, what is your sun, moon, and rising? Okay, yes, because <laughs> I finally learned it when I was in New York last week, like with you as well, because I always kind of confused it in my head and never totally stuck it to my memory. But my sun is a Gemini, my moon is a Sagittarius, and my rising is a Libra. <laughs> yes, amazing. And I loved when, when we met, we were talking about how like you post a lot about your travels. I was even looking on your Instagram, like your highlights are like all the places that you've been. And I'm like, that's literally like a moon in Sagittarius. Yeah. Okay. How I see it, (laughs) Um, which I think is so cool. And then could you also share a little bit just for whoever's listening, if they don't follow you, just what your account's about, what motivated you to start your account and just like how it's progressed since then to now. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess we'll start with just kind of an overview of who I am. I'm a current final year med student going on starting residency in a couple months. I just have my boards left in a couple of days. So basically done that. Um, but aside from being a med student, I'm also a content creator, like you mentioned on Instagram and TikTok, where I share a lot of my life um, in medical school. But also what's important to me is sharing a lot of my life outside of it. And I think probably the biggest message of my platform is really finding that balance. And also that you don't have to just kind of be one thing and pigeonhole yourself into one thing just because of your career or et cetera. So that's kind of like the overview of where I am. But the reason I started it was, I think growing up, I really looked for these female mentors who were talking about the kind of same things I was, whether it was specifically doctors, but also So just lawyers or entrepreneurs or just women in these high, high stress and and busy professions showing that they can still live a balanced lifestyle, still find time for wellness and self-care and also just hanging out with friends and also just doing a lot of nothing sometimes. (laughs) Um, And I feel like that was a big hesitation for me choosing to enter the medical field. I was really hesitant that I would enter it and my life would be over, that I have to change who Mm -hmm. I am and how I see myself and my femininity and fitting into professionalism. So once I kind of got there, I realized that I wanted to be kind of that voice and hopefully that inspiration for anyone down the line who is looking to see that you can pick the career that you're really passionate about, but still not lose yourself along the way. Yes, for sure. I love that. And I love how you really emphasize that in your account, specifically how a lot of people have kind of said in the past that like, if you're a doctor, you're supposed to have like a certain presentation of yourself to the world. And I really like how you kind of prove everyone wrong. And you're like, no, I can be very successful in my career, in my like academic pursuits and my dreams, but at the same time to be a 20 something year old woman and just like enjoy my life. And I think that's really cool and definitely very inspiring for a lot of people. So with your busy life, and we were talking about this when we hung out, but like just being overwhelmed with so many different responsibilities and juggling a lot. When it comes to your health, when it comes to your wellness specifically, what are some of the things that you do for yourself? Like some of your non-negotiables that you would try to be consistent with? Yeah, that's a great question. I think when I was kind of starting my health and wellness journey, and I think this is the same for a lot of people, is you try to kind of do everything and anything, and you think you kind of need to do everything perfectly. So I need to have the perfect diet and the perfect workout routine and the perfect journaling routine and also the perfect bedtime routine and all these different things. And that just was not sustainable for me and my busy schedule. And I realized that 
although all those things are probably great, there's certain things that work better for certain people and certain things that I really prioritize in my day and other things that are maybe optional. Um, so for me, I guess my wellness non-negotiables is definitely finding some sort of movement, maybe not every day, but I'd say most days. And even if it's not a workout, it's like a walk or a stretch or just moving my body. But I try to get like a good sweaty workout in at least like four times a week. I find it's really great just for my mental health and kind of mm-hmm. letting off that steam. Um, the second one is eating. I don't want to even say a healthy diet. It is healthy, but I'm not kind of what you deem as just all fruits and vegetables and so on, but just foods that make me feel good, trying to eat at home a bit more and kind of put nutrients in my body, really simplifying things. So just eating more whole foods. We don't need those fancy supplements and stuff like that. And then the last thing is just taking real breaks, like kind of giving myself at least one day on the weekend when I can, if not at least a half day to really just do nothing related to school or work. And especially doing social media on the side, it's even harder to kind of draw those barriers. Even when I'm done my work for medical school, there's content to create and post to reply to, but really trying to shut off for half a day a week, at least is definitely really important to me. I think that's made a huge difference in kind of finding that balance in my everyday routine. So I think those are the top three for sure. And then other things, like I said, when I can, but yeah. You'd say those three are like things you focus the most on. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. And I like how you kept it really simple too, because a lot of people, when they are starting their wellness journey, like just think that you have to do everything at once and changing habits or like being consistent in general is really hard when you're focusing on trying to do everything and keeping up with those things in itself like it can seem so simple but it it takes definitely effort I was traveling the last two weeks and it kind of fell off of working out because I got home and I was super run down and I got a little sick and I was just like I'm just gonna rest and replenish Mm -hmm. my energy and so I hadn't worked out in basically two weeks and then I just did like a little like 30 minute at home workout and even that can feel so good mm-hmm. like it doesn't have to be complicated but it does take an element of consistency so yeah for sure and so in terms of navigating your 20s and just showing up as like an empowered female online what do you think have been some of the most challenging parts of doing that yeah for sure I, I think I look back to who I was I mean I'm 23 going on 24 right now so definitely still very young but when I look back at even who I was like two years ago, three years ago, I feel like I've been like 10 different versions of myself as I've gotten older. And when you're 19 or 20 or 21, and I'm sure I'll say the same thing in two years when I'm 26 being like, when I was 24, I thought I had everything figured out. I thought I was the fully realized version of myself, but we're still all growing and changing so much. And I think kind of embracing that is a huge part of navigating your twenties, knowing that it's okay to change your mind and change your perspectives and explore different parts of yourself and kind of giving yourself that, that freedom and taking that weight off your shoulders. If you have to have everything figured out right now, knowing that even if you have it all figured out, you're probably still going to change your mind. So you may as well just kind of accept things as they come. I think that's been huge. And in terms of that on the internet, I think what I definitely have learned from my, I guess, short medium time on the internet and also not having a crazy huge following, but definitely having strangers who have never met, giving me their opinions on my daily life and my choices. I think the biggest piece is just not taking everyone's advice and opinion with so much weight and giving it so much credit and um, influence on your life. And I think that's something that no one really kind of spoke to me about when I was in my late teens, even early twenties, because everyone's always like, listen to everything open-heartedly and take criticism and use construction 
constructive criticism. I think those are words that are thrown around a lot, especially in the academic world when you're in college or, or past degrees to always take criticism. And I realize that you don't always have to. You need to take criticism and advice from people who you admire and people you want to be more like and, and take that to heart for sure. But you don't need to listen to what everyone else has to say about you because if you just follow their advice of these people who you probably don't really want to be like, especially if they're people who are sending you not so pleasant criticism on the internet, I don't think you want to be someone like them. Why would you try to kind of follow their path and align more so to the kind of person they are? So I think learning to kind of tune out that noise and as much as yes, in your twenties, you don't have your fully realized sense of self yet, but also learning to kind of trust your gut and think authenticity is something that's super important to me and whatever you do. Um, and yeah, I think, I think those are the two main things I kind of went off on a tangent, but I hope that made sense. Oh yeah. That I love tangents. I think tangents are <laughs> so like, important to like everything we conversations. Need. <laughs> yes. And I think that's super important too, because I used to be like a chronic advice seeker. I would ask anyone in the street for their opinion and their <laughs> advice and actually let myself be influenced by everyone's opinion. And that can kind of cause you to just disconnect from your intuition, from what you want and from your authenticity too. So it's really important to be selective about whose advice you take. And that's something people that sometimes forget because mm -hmm. it's normal, especially with social media and with this like technology world to just want all the information, all the opinions in your fingertips. And sometimes that's more damaging to your mental health than it is helpful. So mm -hmm. tying into mental health and the realities of being online as well, like how has being a content creator impacted your mental health or how has your journey with mental health evolved over time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I mean, I guess in terms of my journey, I can kind of start from the beginning. I was in high school, I'd say, I don't even know if mental health is something I never struggled with or more so that it wasn't really talked about at the time. And that wasn't that long ago. Like I was in high school, what, like eight years ago? Am I doing that math right? Sure. Like six, eight years mm -hmm. ago, something like that. That wasn't that long ago. And mental health was something that was kind of coming up on the verge. I remember in high school, I actually helped kind of facilitate our mental health awareness week. And that was the first time the school did that in like 2015, seven years ago. They never kind of had anything about that before. And while I was, um, putting on this event, I was always really involved in student leadership and stuff. I had to actually learn more about mental health and mental illness. And I hadn't, I didn't know any of this before. I remember I printed out these flyers that we put on the walls of my high school, uh, how depression looks on your brain and how depression has these real physical changes in your brain that we can see. And same goes for anxiety and so on. And I, no one ever told me about this. N never in my life had I encountered this. So I think that's something that's really cool about today's day and age is that it's a conversation that people in high school really are having. And I think that's definitely at least one of the great things that have come out of the past few years. Um, obviously there's lots of different things going on, but that was kind of when I first encountered mental health. And then for my own mental health journey, I feel like that more so started once I got into university kind of on two realms. I think the two things that I kind of dealt with personally was one body image and eating habits and self-love and that kind of realm of things. And on the other hand, also a lot of anxiety around grades and school and perfectionism, especially kind of trying to get into med school for my first day of undergrad. I put so much pressure on myself and really run myself into the ground working so hard. And those two things I mentioned, I think really play into each other. I think for a lot of people from what I've spoken to you kind of relate to this 
overarching sense of perfectionism in everything you do. So feeling like you need to be perfect in your grades and school and get to these goals that you achieved and always stick to your schedule, never cut yourself slack. And then the same thing ends up translating also into the way you kind of treat your body in terms of my workouts had to be perfect. And I couldn't miss a single day at the gym and I couldn't eat anything that was bad for me and so on. And none of that's healthy. All of this seems really well-intended. And I think that's the hardest thing to grasp because you think you're just trying to be the best version of yourself and be perfect for everyone around you. But it really was just so much more damaging than, than doing the opposite would have been. So in the realm of my grades, I got super burnt out. I was sleeping four hours a night, not doing super well on my exams because I wasn't studying effectively because I was exhausted. And on the other realm, trying to restrict myself and over-exercise just led to more binge eating and, and a lot of just self-loathing around what I looked like for absolutely no reason. I mean, I look back now and I think I looked great, yeah. but in the moment that was just way over my head, there was no way. Um, so that was kind of where I entered my mental health journey in the negative sense. And social mm-hmm. media is funny how it plays into that because I started a social media account in second year of undergrad So like around this time when things were actually pretty low and I started kind of like a wellness account, not the kind of in the way that we see wellness accounts now, but the way we saw them, I guess, in 2018 at the time, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I think a lot of that was trying to kind of help myself, but I don't know how beneficial it really was because then I was trying to like, I only had like 200 followers at the time. Let's put that out there. This account's gone and deleted. (laughs) It's completely separate to what I'm doing now, but trying to always post my perfect meals and recipes to motivate myself. And then somewhere along the way, it kind of just ended up helping me because I began to encounter um, people talking about things like food freedom and so on. And that kind of was what opened the door for me. But I think there was definitely a lag between kind of hearing about this kind of stuff and talking more about mental health. And then only maybe a few years later, did I actually kind of start to fully come into it. And I think where I am now, social media, I mean, there's a whole other aspect of mental health in terms of like we kind of spoke about criticism and people and so on. But in terms of my wellness journey, I think it's definitely helped because I've connected with so many people like yourself who see wellness in the same kind of perspective and in that same yeah. kind of way, remind you what the point of all this is and um, being able to also be that source of information and inspiration for someone else means so much. So yeah, it's kind of a long-winded, complicated journey, but again, a little tangent about that. Yeah. And I think any mental health journey is not linear. Any journey in general of just like growth and whole lives is not going to be a linear line. And when I was younger, especially early college, that's how I thought life was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm supposed to pick this major because this is going to cause this is this. And then this is a progression and I have to be in this perfect like growth model. And I think you touching on that was really cool and important because I've struggled a lot with perfectionism as well just still to this day like setting unrealistic standards for myself constantly and just going on that journey of feeling good enough and just getting to that level of more confidence in like how much you are achieving and also just the way you are doing it because when we're trying to just do everything at once and do everything perfectly we run ourselves down to the ground and so you know, you mentioned there was like two aspects, like one aspect in the beginning of the journey was more academic, like grades, being perfect in school, excelling in that. And then there was the aspect of like physically fitting this ideal body or just like never feeling like you looked good enough and then mm-hmm. resulting in just kind of habits that weren't serving you like over exercising and stuff like that. So when it comes to your body image journey and just like healing that aspect of your mental health, 
what's that been like? And what do you think were some of the mindset shifts that helped you get to where you are today? I'm sure there's still stuff that comes up sometimes. We all have bad body image days, but what's helped you? Yeah, like you mentioned, it's something that I think the, one of the most important things to realize is you don't ever have to fully get over it. There's going to be days when you're going to look in the mirror and you're not going to love what you look like. And it's just not letting that kind of become your sense of self and become this big thing that kind of takes over you for weeks and months, but just kind of accepting that thought as it comes is what I learned. So I think it's twofold. I'll start by saying the first thing is treating yourself and your body with respect and finding that self-love, not just for what you look like, but for who you are as a person. I think the best, the best piece of advice that I've implemented is find those inner qualities about yourself that you really love. And then on those days when you look in the mirror and you don't love what you look like, you can remember, oh, but I'm still smart or creative or a good friend or X, Y, Z. And those things don't change. I mean, you have control over them. You have control over if you're going to be a good friend, if you're going to be a nice person to people. So you can control that more so and not in like a toxic control kind of way, but those things are stable in your life and your body will change from day to day, from week to week, from year to year, especially as we age. I think that's something that a lot of girls in their early 20s kind of struggle with. You think your body's fully changed by the time you're done high school because you kind of hit puberty and you finish that, but your body is not done changing. You're still only 18. And I think like in the ages from like 18 to 25 is when you kind of come into your woman's body and kind of fully your full realization of yourself. And some people that can be kind of hard to realize that it's your genetics and you have to just embrace them and not try to fight against your body. So find those inner qualities about you and even the next step past that is surround yourself with people who you think are really great people. And what I always remind myself of none of these people care what I look like. They wouldn't stop being my friend if I looked a certain way or if I gained two pounds. But also if you really respect these people around you and you know, they like spending time with you, then on the days where you don't feel so good about yourself, even on those inner qualities, even on days where you feel like I don't feel that smart today, or I don't feel that creative today. You can look to people around you who you really respect and say, but they still like me. So they must like me for a reason. And I respect their judgment of character. So I guess I must be a pretty decent person. And that thought kind of comes up more and more these days. And I really just embraced it. Like if my friends think I'm a nice person and they think I'm smart and creative, maybe I am because I think my friends are nice and smart and creative. So really just surround yourself with people who lift you up. I think that part is really huge as well. But yeah, like the other part of it I said is also accepting that it's not always going to be perfect and you don't have to love your body every day, but your body doesn't really matter that much. I know something you talk about as well, but it's just a physical vessel for who you are and it's okay if you don't love it every day and taking that pressure off yourself to need to look great for you or for who anyone else, just accept life as it is and, and make more out of it than just what you look like. Um, I think that's kind of the, the two big things for me. Yeah. Exactly. When we were hanging out here in New York, I remember we were talking about this, how people who love you and your friends and the people who are there for you, I would never, ever just be like, I don't want to be friends with, I don't know, let's come up with a random name. Like, I don't want to come be friends with Linda anymore because she gained weight. Like if, if someone bases ending a friendship on that, like, first of all, they were never a real friend. And most people who genuinely love you and care for you love you for who you are, your essence, your soul, like what you bring to the world and not your appearance. So I no, think that's super exactly. important. And I also think navigating friendships in your 20s can be hard. I feel like a lot of friends, especially from older parts of my life, have left my life. And it's just kind of like a natural process of like new friends to come in and just 
things to change. So what's been your experience with like making friends or navigating friendships in your 20s? And Mm -hmm. if you have any advice to anyone listening? For sure. Yeah. So I guess in my situation, I went to a, I guess in the States, you guys call it college. We call it undergrad Mm -hmm. in Canada, like our first degree. I went to a school that a lot of people from my high school went to. And Mm -hmm. I was super hesitant about this at first, because although I really loved my friends in high school, I definitely kind of felt the need, like I wanted to branch out, but I ended up picking the school because it actually just had the best program for me academically. And it was a great school. And then I kind of like that sense of comfort kind of going into it. So I think that was kind of an extra layer to navigate in my early twenties. And I made a ton of new friends, definitely in my early years of undergrad, but still really surrounded by kind of the bubble that I went to high school with. I grew up in a kind of suburb outside Toronto where everyone kind of knew everyone. And that kind of continued through undergrad. And although I really loved my undergrad degree, it was a lot of fun. And I do really love those friends from that time. I feel like it definitely halted my growth in a sense, by kind of staying where I was when I was in high school and not having the opportunity, like a lot of other people, when they go to college, undergrad, whatever you want to call it, and they have to completely make new friends and get that opportunity to reinvent themselves and have people who know nothing about them, know nothing about what you were like in grade nine or grade 10 and all those cringy photos that your high school friends know of you on Facebook are kind of coming with you and so on. But none of that's to complain, but I think it's kind of to say that my process of kind of finding who my like real friends, but real friends in a sense of people who I really align with and really bring me to the best version of myself, I think was kind of delayed for a couple of years, which is maybe good and bad because I think by the time I was getting to that point was when I started med school. I left my undergrad a year early because we only did three years of undergrad before med school, something you can do in, in Canada. So all my friends stayed in the one college that I went to for undergrad and their, their life kind of continued on. And at first you kind of have that FOMO and the, I don't know, but I quickly realized the people who aren't putting in all that effort to kind of keep up with you and so on, you don't need to necessarily put that effort back. So I started med school and completely new people. And I feel like over the past three years of, of med school, I've really come to learn how to find not just good friends, because a lot of people are really nice and really good people, but people who specifically, again, really align with you are kind of on that same wavelength and bring you to the best version of yourself. Um, I think the most important advice is that you don't need to have friends. You don't need to be friends with someone just because you need friends for certain for to, to go to this party or to hang out with on the weekend. That was something I really stressed about definitely in high school and in undergrad. And I remember thinking sometimes when like certain friends would be not like in a fight with me, but like not answering my texts and not wanting to hand. I'm like, okay, so like, who should I get close with now? Who's going to be kind of like my next backup. And you look back at those thoughts and that's so, that's so toxic to think of, right? Just finding friends just to have people around you. And in that it's also becoming your own best friend and really learning to enjoy your alone time is definitely something I've learned over the past only maybe like couple of years and I'm still learning to do, but not feeling that pressure to just, again, need friends by the number or who they are, but just letting life happen. And people who really care about you will find you along the way and will stick around. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's sometimes, especially in your twenties, it's a lot about the quality of the character of the people you surround yourself with and that will ebb and flow like there will be times when maybe you're meeting a lot of new people and then other times when it just kind of is an opportunity for you to deepen the -hmm. friendships you already have but in terms of meeting new people or just like figuring out if someone aligns with you or not how have you navigated that Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to steal this kind of exercise from my friend Shania. She made me do this last year. 
and mm-hmm. or not last year, it's only a couple months ago. But anyways, basically write down the top four to five qualities that you value, not necessarily in a friend, but like in yourself, in life. So let's say for me, some of those might be integrity and optimism and just different qualities that I think are really important. And then write down a list of the five people you spend the most time with. And then write off, do these people have, maybe not all the qualities, you don't have to expect your friends to be perfect, but do they have at least most of the qualities of what you value in yourself and what you want to be more like? Because we all know the saying of you are, you are the, the sum of the people you surround yourself with or however that saying goes. And then also write a list separately of five people who aren't maybe the, the top people in your life that you spend the most time with, the people that you want to get to know more and have at least some or all of those qualities that you listed and then make changes. And that doesn't mean drop your best friend for 10 years just because she doesn't have, let's say the quality of optimism that you really value, but maybe in what doses is it beneficial and healthy for you to have that relationship and being a little bit selfish is okay. Sometimes too, it's not about having a big falling out and being rude, but maybe it's not someone who you spend every girl's night and every Saturday night with, but someone you can catch up with every couple months and talk about old times and still have that sense of friendship without them being such a big influence in your life. And then also look to the other people who you think have those qualities and try to spend more time with them. I think something that I used to definitely find really hard and I think I've gotten a lot better at is just taking that first step of saying, hey, do you want to grab coffee sometime? Or I'd love to hang out. And everyone wants to make friends. Maybe not everyone, but I'd say most people want to make friends and they're going to take that response well, like no one's going to be like, no, I don't want to. I mean, I guess if you maybe get that vibe beforehand, don't ask them, but <laughs> I'd say at least nine times at a time when I message someone on Instagram or I've met like a friend of a friend at a party who I thought I'd really get along with. And I text them the next day, like we should totally hang out. Let's grab dinner next week. We always have, and it's always gone really well. And maybe we weren't best friends after, but I just really love meeting people and talking to people and expanding your social network as much as you can is how you get to interact with these people that eventually you'll kind of find those people with those five qualities. But that is definitely a huge piece of advice, whether you do it on paper or you do it in your head, but what are the five qualities you want to have and who are the people who have those qualities and really just surround yourself with them. Yeah, I think that's that's such a cool exercise. I kind of want to do that because living with intention is something that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good way of bringing more intention into your friendships because in that way you can really figure out like what do I think is important, right? Like what are my values? I've done that before for like romantic relationships. When I was single, I did kind of this exercise where I wrote out my, what are my values and then what are my values in relationship So Mm -hmm. just really getting clear about that with yourself, I think is Mm -hmm. very, very powerful. And just in general, I know that also just being a 20 something can be just like a confusing time. Mm -hmm. And with overloading yourself a lot, like similar to me, um, (laughs) how, how has just navigating your 20s been like for you so far? What do you think has been something that keeps coming up for you that like you kind of need to work through Mm -hmm. in in being a 20 something like what's something that you're currently working on yeah for sure I think something you kind of along the lines of what you mentioned of like living with intention definitely something that's super important to me as well I've always been for as long as I can remember a very like logical person even again like when I'm talking about things like friendships and I think there's pros and cons this but I'm very organized and logical in my thinking okay how do I get to xyz very goal-oriented 
um, and very determined and sometimes stubborn. And I think these are traits that definitely have helped me in a lot of realms in life. I think I attribute a lot of my success in terms of getting into medical school and my perseverance with studying and dedication. I, I, I definitely attribute to those qualities, though, I guess more quote unquote type A qualities. And I think for a long time, because of that, I had trouble kind of seeing the flaws in them because I knew that they were qualities that helped me have what society deemed as successful, quote unquote. But I think everything needs a balance in life. And definitely something that keeps coming up for me and something I'm still working on is finding also more of that type B part of myself. I definitely was more of that when I was younger. I've always been someone who's very spontaneous. I kind of love the unknown. I don't really like the sense of stability in my life at all times. And that always kind of conflicted with my sense of organization and logic and doing things orderly. That's having a Sagittarius moon, baby. (laughs) No, exactly. It's that my, and my, I always come back to my Gemini. I really feel like kind of the split person of, I want the sense of adventure and spontaneity and this kind of zest for life, but I also need to get my goals and I'm very structured. So finding ways to kind of mend the two of them and, and embrace the periods in my life where I need to have more of those type A qualities come out, where I need to come back to my scheduling and my logic but also embracing the times and that could be within the same week. It can be within the same year or whatever it may be, but the times that it's okay to be less structured. It's okay to not know what you're doing tomorrow. And it's okay to not know where your life is going in the next five, 10 years. I was always someone who had that five-year plan. I was going to get into med school, mm-hmm. be this kind of doctor, do this by this age, have a family, so on. But especially I wanted to go into when I started med school. I am not in that specialty by any means. I'm starting family medicine residency. Never thought I would do family medicine at all. I thought I was going to be a pediatric neuro-oncologist, just very specific and great field just was not for me. And learning to kind of allow for that flexibility and openness, because otherwise you just pigeonhole yourself into something that may be a good outcome for yourself. Maybe I would be very happy if I became a pediatric neuro- neuro-oncologist, but what if there's something that's better for you? And you can't discover that unless you let yourself kind of take that weight off your shoulders. And now I I always say, I was talking to my little brother, he's 18 and some of his friends who are just starting university next year. And I said to them, and not even in a joke, but I'm about to be a doctor and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And you don't need to know what you want to be when you grow up, because if you do, then you just pigeonhole yourself. Like, yes, I'm going to be a doctor. I'll have that degree, but what exactly I do with that degree, where I want to practice, how I want to practice, what other ventures I want to do. I have ideas floating in my head, but I stopped kind of structuring it into my life and also being really hard on myself if I don't reach those goals at a certain time. So again, something that I've been working on and I'm still working on, but it's really finding that balance that like yin and yang from your type A to your type B and knowing that you can be both. You don't have to kind of pigeonhole yourself into one kind of character. Yeah. Exactly. And here, um, can I give you a little astrological tie based yeah, on your birth chart? Of course. This, I, I love, love when you do this to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So basically like the way I would tie what you just said to your birth chart is like the yin and the yang, the balance, being like a balanced person. That's a Libra rising. Libra energy okay, is like, cool. it's represented by a balance. Mm-hmm, so right. it's like kind of pursuing how can I do both and how can I find that balance point? And then how can I also bring people together, like bring people into my life that will help me achieve that and tap into those two sides. It's also kind of a comediator type of energy, Mm -hmm. which is in general more like peaceful or like wants more peace as opposed to like conflict. But based on what you were saying, there's also your Gemini side, which is like, I want to be everything. It's okay to not pigeonhole myself now and just be wanting to do a lot of different things throughout my life. 
Mm-hmm. And that sometimes getting to you and just being like, oh, but I have so many things that I want to do and so many things that I want to fill up my time with. But then your Sagittarius moon, Sagittarius is an archer. So it's mm-hmm. like there's a, a goal that you're like in the pursuit of. So emotionally, there's a part of you mm-hmm. that wants to be an expert and wants to reach this goal while also experiencing like zest for life and just like wanting to learn about the world and wanting to explore it and wanting to be open and adventurous. So I feel like that's kind of how I see it all. Yeah, I mean, no, for you, I feel like you hit it on the nose. I'm always <laughs> so wildly scared and impressed when you do the different, <laughs> the different zodiac greetings. You're always spot on, but I think that's exactly it. And I think what you're saying is, again, I think it's something I attribute a lot of my success to, and a lot of wanting to try different things. And I'm always starting new projects and usually finishing them, but always kind of starting something new. And if I want to start a podcast, start it the next day, but at the same time, that kind of scatterbrainness gets in the way of me kind of getting that ultimate goal. So it's, it's finding that balance and just embracing whether you're similar to me or completely different, but learning, you don't have to kind of change yourself and just kind of go with things and what naturally feels right to you. And usually that ends up that that puts you where you need to be. Yeah, exactly. And I think kind of like embracing the chaos, like embracing, like just yes. doing it all and then like pruning it. Cause I think yeah. that there's a lot of people and you were saying like, I kind of like the unknown. And I think a lot of people are actually very scared of the unknown. A lot of people are kind of think like, no, like I need to be in the safe zone. I'm scared of change. Even for me, like as a tourist, like sometimes change is very scary. But I also fall into these things where I'm like, no, but I want to do it. And then I just go and I go for it. And then I have Mm -hmm. to afterwards just look back, be like, okay, I'm overextending myself. How can I cut back on a few things before I add something new to my Yeah, exactly. I think like there's two things that come up when you say that. The first thing is, is like you said of like you, you want to do this, but you start to think, oh no, should I do this? What about the unknown and so on? And I think the piece of advice I always give, and I don't necessarily think this works for everyone and everyone's personality type, it definitely is what works for me is just to do first and think later, especially for someone who mm-hmm. has a lot of perfectionistic tendencies to not wait for everything to be perfect to let's say start that podcast, but to just start yeah. and even if you waited a year to start it, you're still going to make mistakes. And if you took a month, you're still going to make mistakes either way as well. So you may as well just start and having those kind of anxious tendencies and anxious personality. I think that's what helped me to just not think to literally have like the 10 seconds of courage and just like click post or to send the message and just think about it later because then it's already done. And then you can't stress about it as much anyways. And the other thing is when you mentioned about kind of the unknown, and I think talking about our 20s, that's a huge part of our 20s is there is so much unknown. You don't know what job you're going to have in a year. You don't know who the person you're going to be dating in in a year. If it's a person you've been dating for the past five years, if it's someone new, if it's no one at all, we have so many unknowns and instabilities in our life. And what someone told me once, it was a friend and she, I think her mom told her and we were having this conversation, but we were saying how there's one point in life where there's no more unknowns. You're going to be married maybe, or maybe not if you don't want to be, but let's say in my case, I envision my future married with kids in a house. When you have kids, you probably aren't changing your job as often. You have a stable job. You know what you're going to be. You maybe have a dog. You have the same kind of dinners a few times a week because that's what you need to do when you're balancing a life with job and children and so on. And there's no more unknowns right? Obviously things come up in life and life throws you curveballs, but at the end of the day, most of those big decisions have already been made for you, right? You've decided what you want to do, who you want to marry, how many kids you want to have. And you're really going to miss the times where you had all these choices. Even if you love your life where it's at, you're going to miss the times of maybe I could have done that. And this is a time we're living in now. So anytime that the instability or the chaos kind of scares me, I just remind myself of, I'll probably miss it. I'll probably miss this feeling of chaos and instability and just embrace it. 
I think that's definitely been huge for me over the past few years for sure. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so true. I've never heard that before. And I've just never even thought about that, how it's so easy to, to feel like you have to have all your shit together when you're the 20 something, but probably when we're older, we'll look back on this time and yeah, we're going to miss being a mess. We're going to miss yeah. the chaos. At least I know I will. Cause like we said, we're both people who kind of sometimes <laughs> crave that instability and chaos and you're never going to have as much as you do now. Yeah. Which is a good and bad thing, but yeah, I'm looking at the good. Yeah. I think like the good is definitely that we have all this room in our life to experiment, to try, but then the pressure just comes of putting all these timelines on ourselves by when we have to have stuff. And I think that's where the perfectionism kind of comes in. So for you with perfectionism, where are you at right now? Do you notice when it comes in? How do you have strategies to deal with it? You mentioned just doing it instead of overthinking and waiting till things are perfect. But is there anything else that you do to kind of work through perfectionism? I think another one is that no one really cares. No one's really looking at those details. And I think it kind of comes back into someone who wants to do a lot. And I want to do social media and medicine and extracurriculars and research. I've learned if I want to do it all, I can do it all perfectly. And I probably also have to delegate, which is a part that I struggle with perfectionism as well. I kind of wanted to just do everything myself and oversee it because I trusted myself and had a hard time kind of passing on responsibility. And let's say when I did, whether I was leading like a club or in a group project, I would kind of go over and really just oversee everything that people were doing. And it wasn't actually saving me time by delegating because I was still just looking at them doing the work and making sure they were doing it. But learning that if you want to do all these things, you need to let go some of that control and people aren't going to notice if things aren't perfect the way you want them. And even the people who like, even if it is perfect, even if you kind of hit every T, someone else is still not going to think it's perfect. Like you can spend all your life trying to be the perfect student. And let's say when I show up to my rotation in med school, trying to be perfect every day, and some people are still not going to like me. I can spend all my time crafting the perfect Instagram post or making the perfect reel and people are still not going to like it. So the difference between, let's say making something 90% perfect and hundred percent perfect, I say is like the most amount of time, if that makes sense. Like I'll backscale, let's say you're writing an essay and to write a 90% perfect essay, it takes you five hours. I'd say to write a hundred percent perfect essay will take you 12 hours, like more than twice the time to kind of make everything perfect. And it's mm-hmm. deciding, is that worth it? Is it worth spending the extra seven hours to make this essay at hundred percent? Or should I spend that seven hours doing something else that either is a new product or just spending time with myself to just add more to my life in other ways? And at the end of the day, maybe you'll get a 95 on that essay, not a 90, because someone else saw more benefit in it or didn't notice the mistakes that you thought made it a 90. I think I'm getting a little too deep in this analogy, but (laughs) just taking that pressure off yourself because literally no one cares that much. Nothing is that serious. Nothing is that serious. When I was younger, I used to totally be that person in a group project that was like micromanaging everyone and like going back and like like reading every detail if there was like like a period after the quotation mark I would change everyone like I was that person and it's so funny because I feel like with time I've learned how to delegate a lot better even though I still kind of struggle with that sometimes Mm -hmm. just because when you do delegate some details are not going to be exactly how you do it and that's kind of a part of it a part of just letting Mm -hmm. someone else take the reins and just help you out letting yourself be helped I think is powerful so Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I like the the analogy though. It made sense to me. It made sense to me. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And 
I also wanted to ask you, I know you don't talk about this as much in your page, but in terms of spirituality, connecting to the universe, connecting to your higher self, how has your journey with that evolved? If you've had a journey with that or what are your thoughts on what spirituality means to you? Yeah. So in terms of spirituality, I mean, I grew up Jewish, but definitely not religious at all. Like we'd go to synagogue a couple of times a year and I never fully connected with that personally. And that's nothing against anyone who does, but it just like never totally added up to me. So I kind of grew up for a long time, just kind of pushing it aside. And then on another spectrum or not another spectrum, but on the other, on another perspective, my mom was very into the universe and spirituality and always kind of talking about these things growing up when I was like very young from like the age of like probably younger than 10, but 10 is when I remember. And like I mentioned, I think I was even more of a very logical um, kind of straight and narrow person growing up that I was very like looking at the facts and I'm like, if the facts don't add up, then it is not true. If X doesn't X plus Y don't equal Z and, and so, so, and so on. Um, so I really rejected that for a long time. And I remember we kind of like not get in like fights about it, but like kind of bicker about it. Cause you'd be like, mom, this is stupid. And <laughs> I totally shut it down. And I think only in the past, like honestly, like around when the pandemic started, I think is when I kind of really started to explore this different part of myself and open up myself to maybe this is true or in what form can this be true? And what does it mean to me? I think I think that spirituality is that there's no rules in my eyes. There's no textbook of how you have to see things. You can literally make up your own opinion about anything you want. You don't have to follow what, and at least in my perspective, what a certain religious text says is spirituality. You also have to follow what someone on social media says is their version of spirituality. If they think the universe equals X, Y, Z, you can literally make it up for yourself. And if that's what feels right to you that's probably what is right to you so it's definitely just kind of opening yourself up to that and saying what if this is true and I think something huge for me is also it doesn't hurt me to believe that maybe the universe is conspiring in my favor and it doesn't hurt me to believe that I can manifest the things that I want and maybe they'll come true worst thing that happens is that it's not true and sure maybe I spent like 10 minutes thinking about it but I didn't really lose anything and the best thing that can happen is that I actually get everything that I want I actually become this the person of myself that I hope I can be. And it's just not being so scared. I think of failing. I feel like that's a huge part of it of wondering, well, if I manifest this and it doesn't come true, did I fail? Did I do something wrong? And not being so scared of that. So I think where I am now in my spirituality is I definitely think to myself often of how do I put this out into the universe and maybe bringing it back into a little bit of a logical perspective. I think I always will, but kind of going back into the math and science of it and knowing that humans are magnets and we do have frequencies around us and we know that frequencies align with each other. So if maybe if you are at a certain frequency and something good is at that same frequency, maybe it'll come to you. Maybe that does actually make sense when you look at it from a science and math perspective. So I think that's the other thing. If you're a logical person, look at it in a logical perspective, read the research on meditation and mindfulness, see that it actually works and that it actually makes these changes. Um, and again, don't try to think that you have to believe everything someone else says, make up your own version of it and do what feels right to you. I think that was definitely a huge part in kind of finding where spirituality sits in my life. Yeah, for sure. I think spirituality too is something that is very individual and for every mm-hmm. person, it's going to come in a different way. There is no like one size fits all solution to spirituality or even like path. So finding what works for you and finding your way to connect to yourself, to the universe or to like whatever you believe in is really important just navigating that and I think as you said as well you it takes every person a different way to find that and 
I was actually talking to one of my friends recently about this because she kind of came into spirituality from a scientific lens as well. And just really looking at the facts, as you were saying, science and spirituality aren't separate. They're actually very related. Mm -hmm. At the very core of our being, we are atoms and atoms are made of energy and we can't see atoms, but they exist. So energy exists as well. It's all around us. It can't be created or destroyed. It just is. So there are a lot of scientific ties to spirituality too, which I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to dive into some rapid fire questions to close out the episode. So the first question I ask all of my guests is, what does your higher self or aligning with your higher self mean to you? Ooh, this is good. I think it's waking up every day and not being like, ugh, another day of this and waking up just excited for the day. And whether that is actually what you're doing or the mindset that you have towards life and your opportunities is just finding excitement and optimism and romanticizing your life. Like we all say in your every day, I think being that person is my highest self, at least in, at least part of her. Yes. I love that. And then second question is matcha or coffee? Oh, that's so hard. (laughs) I have both every day. Like I have a coffee, either I start with my, if I'm not too tired when I wake up, I'll start with a matcha and have a coffee later as a pick me up. Cause then I crash around when I want to stop working in the evening. Or if I'm really tired in the morning, then I'll have a coffee in the morning. Then I'll have my matcha later. I literally have both every day. I don't know. Okay. There we go. So both. I'm sorry. I can't. And what's your matcha? and your coffee order okay coffee it depends where but in general just some kind of latte with oat milk I think again kind of going back to like the whole body image and food stuff I think something for so long that I wouldn't let myself do is just like get the fun little pumps of flavor in your coffee and that's something I started doing and it makes me really happy I actually like my coffee with milk and sweetness and I don't like black coffee and that's totally fine so I don't know I just like to change it up like at Starbucks or somewhere else like vanilla or caramel or just making it like taste like something fun and then for matcha matcha with oat milk and a little bit of maple syrup and cinnamon usually okay amazing that's how I make my matcha too (laughs) so good the best combo and to Canada for maple syrup then yes I know I need to try like OG (laughs) real Canadian maple syrup because I I love maple syrup it's my favorite sweetener and another question that I ask my guests is what is a quote or a mantra that you love or that you live by Mm. there's so many I have a list on my phone of quotes that I always come back to but I think One that I really like is don't confuse opportunities as oppositions. So just learning to find the best in the silver lining and and any setbacks you find, but also that every failure is an opportunity for growth and failure is only something that you decide for yourself. It's only a failure if you decide it's a failure. Otherwise, it's just something new that you learned. So I think that's definitely something, again, tying back into the perfectionism that really helped me as well. Yes. Amazing. And then when it comes to this episode, if someone didn't listen to this episode except this part, what would you want to leave them with? Oh, oh, that's such a hard question. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, give me a second. Okay. I would say that if you're not waking up every day and you're not excited for your day, you're not excited to talk to people in your life, just sit down and do a little check-in and see where your life's at. And and don't be afraid to make those changes because you don't have to be who you were yesterday. If a person yesterday isn't making you happy, no one ever said you have to stay the same version of yourself. So just change it. Just take that 10 seconds of courage and just change it. Yes. 
That was a hard question. (laughs) I like what you said though. That that hit the spot. (laughs) And it's so important too. Like just take ownership and just make a change. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard, especially when people get into ruts, but I think Mm -hmm. just that absolutely that it's okay to change. It's okay to evolve is something we've kind of Mm -hmm. touched on in this episode. I like that a lot. And then last question is if you have any books that have really changed your life or really inspired you, what are some of your recommendations? Okay. There's a bunch, but one that I always recommend to people, I think it's a super easy read. And I think it definitely had a huge impact on me. And a lot of the conversations we spoke about today around kind of your twenties and finding yourself and and not being afraid to change yourself is 101 essays to change the way you think by, I don't know if I'm, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to butcher it, but if that's her name, um, I think again, it's such an easy read. You don't have to be a reader to read it. It's just short essays. They're like less than 10 pages, super digestible. Um, and yeah, it was kind of how I started getting back into reading too. in my twenties was that book. And I think that was a really nice, like way to kind of ease into it. So I think that's a great one for sure. Amazing. Yeah. She's awesome. She has so many good books. Such a great writer. Love her. Yes. Love her. Have you ever seen the website Thought Catalog? Yes. So she's like one of Thought Catalog's like main authors. You know, like Thought Catalog used to always make those like very relatable articles. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going through heartbreak or like whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think on like Facebook, I remember that in like high school undergrad. I miss those guys. I know. I think she started (laughs) writing for them and then now she's like a super successful author. So love that. Awesome. So that concludes the rapid fire questions. Can you please drop all your handles and tell everyone where they can find you? Of course. So I also have a podcast, which it's called You Are Not Too Busy Podcast. You can find that everywhere you find podcasts. And then in terms of social media, my um, handle is Noam R. Wellness. My name's spelled N-O-A-M-R and then wellness. And that's on Instagram and TikTok. That's pretty much all I really use. But yeah, definitely DM me if you want to chat. And thank you so much for having me all today. It was such a great conversation and such a pleasure to be on the pod. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for being on the pod today. It was so fun. And I will link all of your handles also in the show notes. So awesome. Thank you again. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.